Coming up, you'll hear the story of how two founders are trying to change the way we play casual mobile games. You'll hear what happened to a previous startup, how they raised their initial funding, and how they soft launch and actually got feedback from their beta users. Also, there's a special offer for the App Masters community. If you use the promo code App Masters, you're going to get $5 cash bonus. All you have to do is download the GameForm app and use the promo code App Masters. Stay tuned. The most action packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. From Apple features to ASO to influencer marketing, you will learn all the tools and tactics to make it in the app space. Learn more at appmastersacademy.com. Calculate your app's lifetime value and learn how you can exponentially scale your growth. Pollen.vc is the best way to manage cash flow and invest in your apps growth. Learn more at pollen.vc. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of AppMasters.com, the place you go when you want action-packed content in the app business because I've surrounded myself with amazing app entrepreneurs so that I collectively can learn from them and you, the listener, can listen in as I continue to learn from each and every single one of my guests. And today, I've got two, not just one, two phenomenal guests, one I got to work closely with back in the day, and we're back together working again, so I'm super excited to hear from them what they got going on and their new app and what they've learned from some of the past startups that they've been a part of. So without further ado, let me introduce the guests. I've got Paul Rosa and Frank Argentieri, and they are the co-founders at Gameform. Go check out the app. It is Gameform in the app stores or Gameform.io. And it's an app that allows you to play casual games and win real money. So without further ado, Paul, Frank. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. It's exciting. So, Paul, this isn't your first go-around. You and I actually got to work together with an app called Sploop. So tell us a little bit about that app and then what happened to it. Yeah, geez, this is our second go-around for sure. Um, that was my first um, app and software startup um, that I started back in, geez, wow, in college at Bloomsburg University back in 2011, actually. Um, and when we came together, it was around 2014, I believe, and we were able to um, get some awesome traction with it. You know, it was kind of the idea of taking, you know, the, the old model of, you know, sports kind of message boards and forums and stuff online and kind of bringing it more into the, the video realm, um, kind of be the next Stephen A. Smith, kind of be the next, you know, uh, talking head in sports commentary and you know, it allowed users to, to rant back and forth with 15 second video rants, interactive polling and stuff like that. And it was it was an exciting time. You know, we, we got some great traction. We, you know, we when we launched, we, we launched at, at the university at Bloomsburg. We did a fun launch party, got a couple thousand users and started to scale slightly. And yeah, we partnered with a NASCAR driver and, you know, on a campaign and just it, it actually had some good legs and it was a great idea. But I just realized very quickly that, you know, I didn't have a scalable model. I didn't have the ability um, for hyper growth and I didn't have a revenue model. I was kind of just going off of, 
you know, what people were talking about. So it was, um, wasn't the best business model, but I definitely learned a lot from it. What was the key takeaway, Paul? Um, honestly, the key takeaway was having, having more of a plan. I, I think I was a really good business planner for pre-launch. And then once I launched, I kind of said, okay, like, you know, you kind of have that idea in your head. Well, this is just going to spread like wildfire and people are going to start, you know, showing it to each other when they're sitting next to each other at their desks or at work. And, um, I didn't have a marketing plan. Um, I was just kind of throwing stuff against the wall and turns out that people, I think I overestimated and overassumed how many people would actually want to put their face with their name. Um, and kind of put their their sports opinion out there. I think uh, the Twitter trolls and the Twitter eggs are still in um, in fashion right now. I see. Hey, and then how did you end up meeting Frank? Well, it's actually a funny story. I was working um, with the New York Yankees at the time and starting Sploops um, kind of on my off time. And I went to speak back at Bloomsburg University. I went to speak to some some classes, some marketing and business classes. And this kid came up to me at the end of um, kind of my speech and presentation. And he introduced himself and said, hey, my name is, is Chris Argentieri. Um, my brother goes to Westchester, which is a neighboring school in Pennsylvania. And he was like, my brother and you would really, really get along. And I was like, okay, that's an interesting way to approach it. He was like, yeah, can I just give him your number? And I was like, you know what? Sure. You know, like, why not? And, um, you know, Frank, Frank called me not too long after that. and. Um, just super exciting, man. He was always just so pumped up with energy about like what he was thinking about for business ideas and uh, just entrepreneurship. And we eventually met for lunch a couple weeks after that. And yeah, the, the rest was kind of history from there. Hey, Frank, let me ask you this. Like what, so your brother gives you this guy's number. He's like, Hey, you should talk to him. What, why do you, you know, why do you end up calling him? Why not just be like, okay, thanks, Chris. I appreciate that. But you know, I'm gonna throw this number away. Like what made you call Paul? No, that's a good question. I mean, you know, first off, it's my it's my brother. Uh, you know, it's something where you know I obviously trust him with everything. He's a hustler himself. He you know works hard, and it's one of those things where the way I kind of approach things from that standpoint, you know, clearly my brother, you know, he took the action to you know getting Paul's information, saying, "Hey, hit this person up," and I feel like a lot of times people talk about the luck aspect, and I feel like that was one of those moments where you know, if I didn't take the simple action of just, you know, hitting up Paul and saying, Hey, my name's Frank, my brother, I met you, you know, we obviously wouldn't be sitting here today. So it's just one of those things where a lot of times people think that um, luck is like some big thing where it'll happen all in one moment. And it was just a phone call. You know, I made a phone call, we were lucky to have obviously my brother be going to the same school that Paul went to. So uh, for me, it was just a simple action at a time where, you know, I was working out on my first software, you know, app startup. And I, w I just took a shot, you know, and I think that's an important thing. Just take a shot, reach out to that person who you think maybe won't hit you back. And um, yeah, it was just a shot. It was just an action that I took. That's awesome. You know, I've been thinking about this lately where I'm like, I've been wanting to do this new podcast for a very long time. And I just, I don't know, I'm into my head too much. And I, I was telling somebody, I was like, you know what? Sometimes it's not the start that's hard. It's actually continuing. Right, like the start is one hurdle, but continuing is a lot harder. That's many hurdles to keep going, and it just kind of sort of reminds me of this like random thing that happened. Like, yeah, the phone call was the start, but the continuation of lunch, and then obviously you guys now building game form. That's the continuation part. That's sort of like the hard part. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. I mean, what just to expand on that, I want to really stress how organic it really was, you know, with Paul and I, we didn't force it right off the bat saying, Hey, we should just start something. He was at a, a point where, you know, I think he was kind of at the later stages with working on sloops. For me, I was at the, you know, mid to early stages of working on my first, you know, mobile app. And it was just one of those things where we just kept in touch. We were both genuine about helping each other out if there was anything that we can do. And I think that's something that really built like a solid foundation for our relationship to say that this person is really interested in helping me out and what I'm doing and not really expecting anything in return. And that was something that really helped to build our friendship as well. Yeah, I love that. Hey, so tell, tell me a little bit about Gameform and then how you guys eventually came to building Gameform. Yeah. All right. So that's, that's a long story. So I'll try, I'll try to keep, you know, this portion a little, a little bit bullet quicker. points, <laughs> bullet points, yeah, bullet points. <laughs> bullet points. Um, yeah. So Gameform, you know, it was something that I would say maybe about a year and a half ago, you know, I had thought up, I was actually brainstorming with a few friends, uh, you know, for that next thing, you know, so uh, Gameform, as I mentioned, is actually my second thing as well. And it was something where, you know, I was sitting there, you know, we saw an opportunity in the gaming space and I just saw so many people always playing these simple, like skill-based casual games. And I said to myself, you know, be being super competitive. I know Paul is as well. I said, why not be able to have an area or a destination that you can go to, to play these games for small amounts of money? You know, it's not something where, you know, initially, you know, the, the idea wasn't to say, come on and start putting up a thousand dollars to win 5,000. But it's like, why not be able to have something where people can come on and play for five cents or 10 cents or a dollar to win two, three, four, five bucks. So that was kind of where the idea started. Um, you know, it very quickly expanded uh, in terms of vision, you know, as Paul and I um, really started working together. But as I mentioned, that, that happened kind of organically. As I was thinking through this stuff, I would constantly reach out to Paul. I'd be like, hey man, what do you think about this? What do you think about this aspect? And very, very quickly, I would like, I'd talk to my wife and I'd be like, I think I, I think I want to work with this guy because I would wake up at, you know, I was on the West coast. He was on the East coast. I would wake up to like an email with like six different items. Hey man, this is what I found for you for research and everything. And very quickly it turned into, you know, that kind of atmosphere between us uh, before finally, like, you know, luck had it that Paul actually signed on an independent pro league baseball team. And the team that signed him was actually in Napa, California. So he ended up coming out. He stayed with me for about a month and a half, uh, me and my fiance at the time, now wife. And we just, you know, dove in, we finalized everything to say, Hey, let's work each other, you know, work together on this uh, together and really build this company to something. And uh, yeah, you know, so it kind of turned into, you know, game form, the place to come to play mobile games for cash prizes uh, with the ultimate vision being taking mobile games and creating almost like the mix of Netflix and DraftKings and FanDuel and bringing those together where you can come on, you can choose an awesome game. You can play it for money and really take it from there. Oh, I like it. So what happens next? So let's say you guys get the idea. Like, do you guys start building it? You hire somebody to build it? Like what happens next? Yeah. yeah. So that was actually, that was messy. That was a little, that was a little messy. <laughs> yeah, one, one of the things I want to stress. Um, so actually I had hit up, um, you know, an investor who, when I initially moved out to the, the West coast in 2015, I had reached out to him cold email. Um, I emailed him every day at the same or every week at the same time uh, for like 12 weeks in a row. And he finally answered. Um, <laughs> and basically I had met up with him. I pitched him my first mobile app software startup and he didn't like it. He basically said, Hey, I think you're the right person, but I think it's the wrong idea. Mm -hmm. um, so basically what we did, Paul and I, you know, I had reached out to him 
when I was talking to Paul at that time, it was really, hey, Paul, how do I respond to him in this way and that way? And we closed, you know, Evan, who's our first investor together. And one of the parts of that deal was uh, he also had develop a development team out in uh, New Delhi in India. So that's kind of really how we got started in terms of development. So it was kind of an unconventional way. Um, and it was sort of like an incubator, you know, that's if you want to think of it that way, where we used his development resources, in addition to, of course, you know, having him come on as an investor and advisor. Wow, that's amazing. What did you what got him to say yes to this idea, Frank? Like, what do you think was the big difference between the first idea that he rejected now to this one? That's a great question. So I think one of the biggest things, and I think even, you know, with your listeners that they can take this away, and I know Paul, Paul can attest to this as well, is a lot of times people go into these conversations with investors and they're like, oh, like, you know, I haven't done anything and they're not going to say yes. Well, first off, you got to go in expecting that you're going to get tons of no's. Um, and that was just like a common occurrence. I just kind of let it roll off. Um, but one of the biggest things was showing him from the time I first came to him to, for, to the second business plan and idea that I had brought him um, was what I learned. You know, I literally mapped up. I said, hey, Evan, this is what I had the first time. This is where I brought it in terms of like actual action and not just like ideas on paper. And this is where we fell short. This is what I learned from it. This is what I'm going to do going into the next time. So I think it's kind of painting that picture for investors or anyone you're looking to work with to show that you can actually execute on your ideas and actually bring them to market. Because I think at the end of the day, that's the important part. I like it. And then it, was he thinking like, oh, this is what's going to be happening from the future? You said, because the last time he said, you're the right guy for this, Frank, but it's the wrong idea. But this time he felt like, hey, you're the right guy for this and it's the right idea. Yeah, no, I mean, it was another thing that I learned going through the process, um, you know, of, you know, what I mean by the process is the process of the constant evolution of growing, becoming a better entrepreneur, executing on my ideas. Um, and I think, you know, one of the statistics I brought out, you know, and, I, and Paul might have been the person that dug this statistic up, um, even though, you know, I know I did all of my research, but I had showed him the growth of the esports market. And, you know, I told him, I said, hey, Evan, you know, this is something where esports, you know, there's a lot of marketing and advertising and sponsorships that currently go into that. But I, I said, I'm looking at this in a different way in the sense of I want to bring that e-gaming and mobile gaming, like the mix of, you know, skill-based gaming and money to everybody. So not just the people that are the pro people playing League of Legends and all these other games. I want the everyday person who's commuting on the train, who's traveling for work, who's, you know, you know, walking to, to college or something like that. I want them to have access to playing these games for money. Um, so I kind of showed him some projected out growth of this market. Um, and one of the other big statistics was just back in 2017, I believe it was, uh, mobile gaming revenue actually surpassed PC and console gaming combined. So that was a big kind of, you know, uh, talking point as well that he was really fascinated about. You know, the next thing I want to move on to next is, and I said next twice, <laughs> but the casual <laughs> games, like why casual? Because I, having worked with a few casual games, the LTV of a casual game user might be very low. Now I'm sure you guys have figured out ways to combat this, but why go casual games rather than like a match three or something that you know, may have a higher retention gameplay. Yeah. So, I mean, anything with that, uh, it's obviously, it's really important to obviously talk with your early user base. I mean, cause obviously like, you know, we're, we're still in an evolving market. So like we, you know, we're game form as well as a couple of the other competitors, you know, it's only legal in 38 out of the 50 United States. So it's definitely the early infancy of the market. 
Um, one thing that we've learned very quickly um, is more and more and more content. We've done very in-depth interviews with some of our early users. And, you know, we've looked at the retention metrics and where we see, you know, kind of day one through five, where we're like, wow, this is excellent. You know, we're in the, you know, we're in the 20s, 30s and 40% for that. And then you, you look at, you know, where the drop offs might be when we start to test some things. And, you know, the, the, the response is, yeah, like if, there's six games on there right now, guys, if I had 15 or 20 games rotating at any one time, you know, I would come on and I would play more. Um, and I would play for longer. Um, obviously, we go with more of the casual games just because there's less of a barrier of entry to play. There are games, you know, that you can pick up. You can pick up really quickly. You know, probably within two or three plays. And game form allows you to practice your games first before you play them for actual cash. So, you know, we're we're trying to just find that healthy mix right now, that healthy balance where you know it's a casual game. We're rotating enough new content in on a daily and weekly basis. And while also, you know, keeping the barrier of entry to learn these games and be a winner on game form uh, as very low. Got it. Hey, Paul, is there anything else besides adding more content that you found that allows users to get back into the app? Um, I would say, once again, it, it's it, we're trying to find that mixture right now. We're, we're trying a bunch of different things like... Uh, you, you've seen it with some of the competitors and some of the, you know, the early people in the space with even things as, as easy as deposit matches, you know, like we want people to, you know, enjoy their time on game form and feel like, Hey, like if I'm going to put up that cash, right? Like if I'm going to put up that money and, and, and put it into the platform, you know, to get that early deposit match to know that you have some bonus funds to play with as well. Like that's something that's been very helpful as well. As long as doing as well as doing things like uh, our push notification system, which, you know, Frank and I are able to, you know, send push notifications from our phone to our entire user base, which is extremely, extremely exciting. You know, we're, we're able to say, hey, like we're going to double the prizes on this specific game for the next 30 minutes, like, you know, like a, a prize blitz, you know, something like that or a prize surge. And, you know, that's something that we see instant, you know, instant feedback with and, you know, instant users coming back and, you know, and playing, uh, you know, for the next 20, 30 minutes. So that that's really exciting. We're, we're, we're building out a lot of those processes internally. And we've built out, you know, our team has built out an incredible, uh, you know, dashboard for us to kind of manage the behind the scenes. That's awesome, man. What have you, I guess, where do you guys want to take this next? Like, because what I'm interested by is how, I guess, let me take this. Let me ask this question. Like, how did you guys decide on what games, what initial games to have in the very beginning? That's a great question. So one of the things in terms of like the specific, if you want to look at it from specifics and then more of kind of like a macro view, uh, specifics games, we pretty much, this is something that usually doesn't get said with like early stage companies, but a lot of, you know, it, it's a very common thing where your resources initially are obviously a lot more scarce than you know, many of the huge competitors that you have out there. Um, and in many ways, this is a positive thing. So what we did initially was we, we actually sat, we sat down with our engineers. We said, hey, what games would be able to have us to, you know, pretty much implement them onto game form relatively quickly and easily? Because a lot of it, you know, in terms of building a great product, you know, I know Paul had mentioned this as well. We are constantly evolving. Like we've We've been launched, uh, you know, for about a month now. We've been, you know, getting tremendous feedback, a lot of great stuff happening there. But the important thing is, like, the product is always improving. And the way that happens is through really gaining a lot of feedback, you know, in that process. So that's why the important thing for us initially 
was not so much, hey, you know, of course, making sure the games were skill based because, you know, obviously there's a whole bunch of legal stuff that goes into that. Uh, but the biggest thing was saying, let's actually get this up and running and see if people, see if our hypotheses around, you know, playing these types of games for different amounts of money, if they were actually true. And that's what we actually figured out. So that's like a huge tip that like early on, people tend to want to think, all right, I want to launch something that is absolutely perfect, that the games are all the best top quality, you know, and in reality, getting to market and learning from that is going to be a million times more valuable. So that's one big takeaway that I can really give to your audience that we've found is like, it's that balance of getting something out there that's, that's usable and that works well and something that, you know, isn't perfect. Because if you do perfect, you're never going to get it out there. So true. So true, Frank. Hey, and I'm glad you guys said this because I think the, the patience is so key, right? Like, and I think, you know, you have that with Evan, your investor, knowing that this is early on, right? This may take years for it to fully mature and for people to really catch on. But hey, this is early on. We're going to be patient. We're going to test a couple of different things. We have our hypotheses and then we're going to iterate. And that's sort of what we're going to do. And that's the plan. No, exactly. I mean, Paul and I, I don't think, I don't know if this is a coin term by anybody else, but I always tell him, hey, patiently impatient. Patiently, yeah. like, cause, you know, we, we both which he, have a problem. <laughs> which he doesn't need to tell me quite often because I can get, I can get pretty fired up uh, pretty quickly. So, no, it's, no, it's he, he's, ab he's absolutely right, though. I mean, it, it's one of those things where, you know, Frank and I always want to go at 100 miles per hour. You know, that's just kind of our MO and how we were built and how we get competitive about this type of thing um, in the entrepreneurship scenarios. But um, <laughs> one thing that I've noticed is it's so true. So like we, you know, we had a soft launch and then probably another soft launch after that. And then we had six or seven revisions within the onboarding flow and game, you know, and games that we wanted to rotate in before before we even, you know, coined our, this is officially the game form launch, you know, like on, you know, October 19th, 2019, um, you know, before that, like we were out on the app store for weeks and like, you're so excited because you just want to shout, you know, you want to shout it from the mountaintops. You want to tell all your friends about it, post it on your social media and update your LinkedIn and stuff like that. But like, you need to realize that like, it is so important to make sure you have um, that real world testing. You know, because it's one thing to do it in a closed beta environment. I think that's one thing people mistake a lot. They they test it in a very closed and controlled environment. And they're like, wow, like, this is all good. Like, everything works. You know, all the processes work. All the backend stuff works. And there's going to be no bugs after these ones. And it's like, you know, and then they launch the product. And it's like, whoa, you know, six things broke already. And we need to figure out a way to, you know, plug these holes very quickly um, cause it's a leaky bucket and you know, it, you, you need to do that real world world testing first before you really start to market it. Hey Paul, I know you guys went through a soft launch phase. You had a lot of beta users. If I remember correctly, what did you guys do to get all those beta users interested in the app? Yeah. So that was, um, that was something that we were actually quite quite calculated about. We wanted to get not just like best friends and family and stuff like that. Like we actually wanted to get a healthy mix to where, you know, you could, we could actually have like a good representation of what our user base would be. So Frank and I went all over our own social media platforms, um, just kind of putting out there. We're like, Hey, like we're going to give away five $50 visa gift cards at the end of the beta. 
Um, if you sign up, you know, check us out, use us on, you know, every couple of days or whatever it may be. Um, so then we were, you know, really just trying to find a good mixture of people. And we found, I would say, Frank, I, I would say we probably found a really good, really good cohort, that early cohort of like people from the age range that we wanted to like, you know, 20 year olds, but all the way up to people that were in their fifties. And that was really a good I think that was really a good start because we were able to get some very valuable data and understand um, kind of that first that first initial group. I'm so glad you said that, Paul, because you said data. That was the key point. That's something that I wanted to ask you was, okay, great. You know, people say, look, I want to start a beta list and I want to get beta users, but then it's just the, their mindset is just getting the users where I think what you just said with getting the data is, what did you do with those users? So besides getting them to play the app, obviously, what else did right. you guys do to get that initial feedback? Yeah, so we, um, it was very important. One, one thing that we did was we actually sat down with some of them in person. Like we sat down and we would just be like, hey, like I'm just gonna, this might be weird for a second, but like, I'm just gonna sit here and watch you play the app, right? Like I'm just gonna sit here and watch how you click through it. And anything that doesn't feel like right like just shout it out, be like, eh, like that onboarding flow feels a little weird. Like, I'm not sure where my finger should go next on the screen. Like, I'm like, how do I get to the next screen? You know, where do I go back to see my balance? You know, like that was really helpful. I mean, people pay, people developing apps pay lots and lots of money for that type of feedback. And, you know, a lot of times people are just lazy and don't want to go out there and do it. But we actually would sit there with friends and even just acquaintances and be like, Hey, let me buy you coffee. Let me buy you lunch. You know, you're entered to win the $50 gift card. Let me just sit down and watch you play the app. Uh, we also implemented a couple of analytics platforms just so we could understand, you know, where the bounce, you know, where people were bouncing from the app so we could improve those specific screens. Um, and we also did, like I said, in-depth beta interviews as well. It's where we just sent out like um, a couple questions of, you know, hey, here's some feedback that we want initially from you. What was your favorite game? What would you like to see on the platform going forward? And then Frank and I would just hop on the phone, FaceTime with them and call them and be like, hey, just want to ask, you know, talk to you about your answers, talk to you about the questions we asked you. What do you think can be improved? And I just, I think too many times people are in such with tunnel vision and have the blinders on and they're just like, this is going to work. This is going to work. This is going to work. My assumptions should be correct. My assumptions, I read a couple articles, so therefore this should work. And it's like, <laughs> unless you're truly talking to your users and you're ready and prepared to take constructive and sometimes even rude feedback at times, like you're never <laughs> going to get it to the point where people truly want to use it. That's so true, Paul. Like, And the key thing, one more thing I want to bring up with that is you don't have to listen to everything. You know, you take it in, you analyze it, you figure out what's the best plan of attack because you'll True. get feedback for just about every aspect. And obviously us as, you know, the founders who are, you know, leading, leading this, you know, we have to make sure that we're making the best decision for what we think is best as well. You know, so it's a balance there, you know, taking that feedback and implementing what we think is going to make it the best for the long term. Yeah, so true. And Paul, like when we do the research, when we have an idea, we do the research, we're actually looking for research that backs up our idea. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. looking for anything. You'll read through seven articles until you find the one line in the one article from 2012 that's like, yeah, uh, this kind of worked one time. And you're like, right. boom, see, I knew it. This is going to be a billion dollar app. You think it's because that this is now your second go around that you have this patience, you have this analytic 
tactical mindset where you're like, okay, this is going to be a slow process. Here's what we're really going to do and kind of be patient with it. And we're really going to get a lot of early feedback. Is that, is that sort of comes with just experience you guys think? Um, yeah. I mean, Frank and I talk about it all the time. You know, we look back to, you know, our early twenties and when we started our first ones and you're just, you totally have the rose colored glasses on, you know, and you're just like, you think that you literally watch like the movie, the social network and you're like, Oh, it's just going to be like that. Like, you're like, it's just going to be, you're going to put it out there. It's going to go viral. You're going to be getting offers from all over the place. They'll set you up in a cool office. And it's like, it's not like that at all. It's so much grind behind the scenes and you're exhausted and you're riding the train in and out of the city every day. Cause you have a full-time job and you have relationships and you have this and bills to pay. And it's, it's sometimes at the end of the day, you know, at 845 at night, you don't want to work for three or five or six more hours. But guess what? You have to. And I think Frank and I learned that just from the hustle of it. And then we also learned like the, the true investors and the true people that are going to take it to the next level in today's environment. They don't want to just hear, hey, cool concept, cool sketches, like or even, hey, cool beta version. Like they want to know, how is this going to grow? How is it going to grow quickly? How am I going to get my money back plus 5, 10, 25 X on my money? And how are you guys truly going to scale this correctly? And unless you have the answers to that, you're probably not going to make it very far, even just in the funding realm. Yeah. The and analytics think- platforms that you guys have put in, what are, what are those pla- those tools? Great question. So right now, what we're currently using is Mixpanel. Um, so it does, you know, it really does a great job, uh, you know, just kind of going through retention, understanding the overall user flows. I know Paul had mentioned, you know, it's such a valuable thing to be able to see, hey, from this screen, that's where people are bouncing. Um, you know, it's something where if you sit down, you really go through it. Um, it gives you a lot of really valuable, valuable data. So yeah, we're currently using Mixpanel. Love it. And Frank, what I want to get back to is what did you say to Evan that finally got him to respond? I know it's probably the persistence, but what were you saying to him? Um, I think for me, oh man, it would probably, it probably would have been helpful if I brought up the, the email <laughs> change. So I think, I think my initial email, what, what I'd said, and I kind of just, you know, followed up continuously was, you know, I'm new, new to the East Bay. I gave like a very brief, like one line, new to the East, San Francisco East Bay. Um, you know, currently working on a software startup, you know, I told him like a little bit of my progress and where we were at. And I said, I'm looking for other smart people to work with. Are you interested in having a conversation this day at this time or this day at this time? Hmm. And what he had ultimately said when he did answer was that somebody on my team who was monitoring, I guess his email or something, he was like, this guy just won't stop emailing you. I think you should just talk to him. Um, so <laughs> could have just been, I don't know if I was, cause at that time, I mean, I had done sales at that point. Uh, but since then, you know, I have a lot more experience in like the tech world doing software sales and, and things like that. Um, so a lot of the little tips and tricks, I don't think I was actually doing unless I was just doing it unconsciously without, you know, subconsciously without even knowing it, you know? Yeah. Frank's Frank's selling himself short. Frank will go to a conference and, you know, go to work his way up to the front of the crowd for a keynote speaker and be like, yeah, I'm talking to you right now. Like this is happening. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go into a a quick one, Steve. Um, I went to one of the, uh, I think it was called startup grind in Redwood city. 
Yeah, and yeah. at the time when I had the early stage, early stage actually for game form, early stage of the idea, uh, the one of the co-founders of DraftKings was on stage, and I was in the I was actually in the back right, but I saw that there was a seat in the front uh, front right, so I went to the front right, and I was like, oh crap, the people that are walking off the stage are coming going off the other way. So I in the middle of the talk, I walk in front, I sit on the other side, and as he's going across, I, I'm say or as he's sitting there, I say to myself. How am I going to get his attention without just, you know, yelling his name? And I looked up the alma, his alma mater. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, go Blue Devil, because he went to Duke. Yep. And he turned around. He was like, yeah, we're right on. And I said, hey, can we talk for two minutes? And we ended up having like a 15, 20-minute conversation. <laughs> He's someone now who – so that's one of those things where like a lot of times people are like, oh, is there some secret sauce? Did you know somebody? <laughs> no, I just literally said, how do I talk to this guy? Yeah, none so of that story surprises me. <laughs> It's so easy, right, Frank? Like, I, I don't know if it comes naturally to me and you because I, I've done similar things where I'll just be like, hmm, what college do they go to? And just that simple knowledge is, it will do wonders. Just being like, okay, I, like, I'll know the college and I'll have to Google what's their mascot. Because, you know, Duke, I know, obviously. Yeah. But like, I'm like, what's their mascot? So I've done that where like, like an <laughs> app store manager, I'll be like, okay, I know which college. And then I'm like, okay, what's the mascot to this college? And then that'll be my, sort of like my intro in the cold email as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You can't be afraid just to, because the worst thing that could have happened is he just ignored me. Yeah. And that was that. So, yeah. Hey, Frank, look, you don't have to blow. I mean, I guess, <laughs> well, you don't have to make Evan feel bad, but were you doing this 20 email sequence to every single person that you're trying to reach? Or was it specifically Evan that you wanted to get in front of? Um, so I was, I was pretty strategic. So in the beginning, I think I had reached out to like 113 different, and it wasn't all just investors I was reaching out to. I had went to like different co-founder sites and um, I was looking up technical people, you know, cause the, for my first software startup, one of the big things that I learned was I want to make sure that I have somebody who is working closely on this, who was very, very technical and knew exactly what they were doing. Um, so I saw obviously in Evan's profile that, you know, he was a, you know, like a second or third time CTO, serial entrepreneur. Um, I'd seen that he had been very successful in doing that. Um, so that was the initial thing. I reached out to about 115 different engineers and investors. There was a mix of them. Um, and yeah, you know, I just, I was, I was strategic at the point where I said to myself, I can't accurately follow up with a, with a hundred people or 50 people. So I think I narrowed it down to maybe like five or six. And I just said, Hey, I'm just going to be diligent about following up with these people. And you know, one of them hit, so it worked out. I love it. All right, guys, did I miss anything that you want to make sure we cover? Yeah, just um, listen, Gameform available in the iOS app store currently. Uh, we have a lot of awesome stuff going on, new games coming, you know, every week or so. And, um, you know, it's, it's you have the ability to refer friends, which is awesome. Like if you, if you run out of funds or you don't want to deposit money right away, you can always refer people. And as soon as they sign up and play their first cash game, um, you get a free bonus up to $25. So you can keep playing for a while. So it's... Um, People are loving the platform. Um, you know, it's just straight cash. You hit the high score, you win the cash prize, and um, people have really loved that model. You know, it's not cluttered, not a lot of e-currencies, tickets, jewels, things like that. It's just straight up. I'm playing a game for ten cents. I know if I hit the score, I win twenty cents. So um, it's been a lot of fun so far, and and we're excited to keep it going. Yeah, and having cash on the line. I never like to play poker for fun. I'm like that's just not fun to me. You gotta have something online. That's <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's why that's why Game Forum is gonna be something big. You know, we're just starting up, but um, 
one of the biggest things too that I can even say for your users, because I'm sure you have a ton of entrepreneurs that listen to this, is you know, many of the experienced ones will know this and they'll be like, oh duh. But early on, like go through and set the expectation that it's gonna be really friggin' difficult. That every possible bad thing that can happen, it could happen. So that's something that really I, I think helps Paul and I with that patience that you mentioned earlier. Um, you know, and I really just wanted to leave with that. Go through and, and expect that it's going to take long. It's going to be a grueling process. But at the end of the day, the reason why we do it and the reason why I know you do it, Steve, is, uh, you know, to really reach your potential and get to that the, the, the point that you see in your head. You want to make that a reality. So just wanted to leave with that. So true, man. The app is called Gameform. It is on iOS. I don't think the Android version is out yet, right, guys? Early 2020 is the plan. Okay, early 2020. They've got six apps, six games already within the platform. Games that you're going to be familiar with, games that you can pick up so easily. So go check it out. It is Gameform, all one word, in your app store in iOS. Or if you're interested in just working with them, go check out Gameform.io. Paul, Frank, do you want to thank my last sponsor before we hit the big finish? I'll ask you for your favorite app and then we'll, we'll end this sucker. But do you want to thank my sponsor, Paulin.bc? Look, guys, you've worked hard. You're like Paul. You're like Frank. You've worked hard to really build an app. You've, you're driving revenues. You've built an app that people are coming back to. Now you want to reinvest those hard-earned revenues back into user acquisition, but you can't because Apple's going to hold your money up to 45 days and then finally pay you out. Well, Paul and VC has solved this problem where all the hard-earned money that you've earned from the app stores, from the ad networks, they're going to give you sooner so that you can reinvest and use that money to whatever you want to do. Usually, people use it to reinvest in paid acquisition because they have a model that works. That's their model. Super simple, super easy, solving a huge problem within the app stores for app founders like ourselves. So once again, if you're interested in learning more, go check them out paulin.vc their past sponsor of ours and i'm super glad to be working with them again one more time for those in the back paulin.vc paul frank this has been absolutely amazing but let's go to the big finish give us one app besides game form that we should definitely check out wow i am going to say well i guess instagram's kind of on the nose right because everyone's kind of using that um one thing that i really enjoy to do with my friends is i use giphy cam um, so where I can turn, um, you know, videos of my friends and stuff that I'm doing into gifts. I think that's always a good one. Um, so Giphy Cam is, is always a good one that I like to use. Cool. Frank, you got one? Uh, yeah. So for me, it's not going to be as, as fun as, as I guess Paul's, but um, Audible, to be completely honest with you, um, it's, it's such, it makes it so easy to, you know, listen to different books on the go. Um, I know Paul can attest to this. You know, I usually speed it up to like 2x. But it just makes it super easy to, you know, digest any sales books I'm listening to, um, you know, business building books, any of those types of, of things. So I would definitely say Audible. <laughs> and any of my fantasy football apps, any of those too. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Once again, guys, it is Gameform, Gameform.io if you want to check them out on the web or Gameform just in your favorite app stores. Paul, Frank, this was so cool, man. Thank you guys for coming on and doing this. Thank you so much, Steve. We appreciate it as always. Steve, we appreciate your time, man. Looking forward to continually work with you. Same here, man. Thank you all for listening, and I'll see you on the next chat. Hey, guys, if you've been enjoying the podcast, do me a huge favor. Please leave a rating and review within the Apple 
podcast app, iTunes store. You know, as app developers, reviews are so important. Ratings are important. It's the same thing for podcasters as well. So I'd greatly appreciate it if you go to appmasters.com slash iTunes, appmasters.com slash iTunes, and leave some feedback for me. I really appreciate it. We've been stuck at 100 ratings for quite some time, and I know there's a lot more people listening to this podcast. So do me a solid and go leave a ratings and review. It doesn't have to be five stars, just your honest opinion about the podcast. All right. Thank you so much. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.